Well, because it's a useful question. Why is the sky blue? Why are my eyes blue? Why is my grandma's hair blue? Why do we care that Pastor Damien's grandma's hair is blue after these three weeks? And why am I so invested in knowing that now? Why? It's an incredibly useful question when examining what we believe and how we practice our faith in Jesus Christ. We ask for the purpose of remembering, to fuel our passion in order to live out our faith in in a vibrant life to the fullest manner that Jesus intended for us to live. We ask why because sometimes we get so caught up in the duty of practicing our faith that we settle for looking at, at the things that we practice and the things that we do as Christians through the lens of the statement of because we're Christians and that's simply what Christians do or don't do dependent on the thing that you're looking at. And we are in the middle of this series, a a series called uh, Christianing, where we're exploring some of these why questions about the practice of our faith in order for us to remember. And while there are some things that we may not have thought of or you may not have thought of, and there may be some messages that connect with you more than, than others, these messages are supposed to be a conversation starter and not a heavy burden. Remember, even though Jesus had a Jewish mother, he was not a Jewish mother, so he's not like putting guilt on you. Actually, he said that his yoke or his, the mantle of his teaching is easy and his burden light. So, the why question for this morning is why do we share our faith? Why do we share our faith? Now, I don't know about you, but throughout my life as a Christian, I've actually been asked this question more times than I could probably count. Why do Christians feel it necessary to share their faith. What is it, what is it that, that makes it, what's the urgency here of Christians passing their faith along? Or to pull some of the questions uh, back a little bit further, why does it seem like a religious thing to do to proselytize or convert people to your point of view? And why does it seem like Christians will go to the ends of the earth into cultures that already have a religious perspective to share their, their faith? What's the deal with that? Now, when we talk about sharing faith, and, and as we're going to talk about it in the context of this morning, um, this statement can, can conjure all sorts of different um, feelings and thoughts in your minds. Some of you may break out into a cold sweat thinking about sharing your faith. Um, some, uh, some of you may think of, of, of cold calling or going uh, door-to-door, knocking on doors and handing out pamphlets or, or tracts. Uh, some may think about dragging, uh, of sharing their faith as, as dragging someone along with them to uh, a Christian movie or to hear somebody else share their faith story. Um, but we're going to be talking about something a little bit more personal here this morning. And we're not going to get caught up We're not going to get caught up in the merit of materials or methods, but simply why we share our faith and why you sharing your faith matters. And while we aren't going to be able to answer all of the questions like every other week, again, this is a conversation starter. Go to Scripture and look into this yourself as well. And I hope that this is a springboard to that, that this is a catalyst for that. We're going to be looking at a, uh, a picture of one man sharing his story 
that's found in, in, the cha in Acts chapter 26. And we're going to be looking at the majority of this chapter. Uh, so strap in. It's found on page 907 on the, in the Bible in the pew in front of you. But we're going to be looking at this entire chapter here this morning. So here we go. Acts chapter 26. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews. And especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way that I, have, I lived ever since I was a child from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conformed to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppress the name of Jesus of Nazareth and, and that was just what I did in Jerusalem. On authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished and tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests about noon, King Agrippa. As I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I will send you to them to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some of the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me, but God has helped me to this very day so that I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people 
and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I'm not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe in the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. The king rose and with him, the governor and Bernice and all, and, and those sitting with them, after they left the room, they began saying to one another, this man has, done, has not done anything that deserves death or imprisonment. To give you a bit of context of what's going on here, Paul was, had traveled to Jerusalem and was on his way to the temple with some Jews from Asia when a frenzied mob seized him, dragging him away from the temple. Since Jerusalem was under Roman occupation, uh, the Romans stepped in in, in, order to bring the, in order to bring order to the situation. As he was about to be beaten for what they perceived to be a rabble that he started, plot twist, Paul reveals that he was a Roman citizen. And Roman citizens usually get trials before they get beatings. At the very least, they get heard before they receive this type of punishment. This resulted in a long journey, imprisonment, plots for his demise, and finally a military escort until he arrived in Caesarea. And while in prison, officials tried to bribe him in order to garner favor with the Jewish leaders, there was a transition of power, and here Paul was, still imprisoned, still being looked at as a, as a political pawn when Paul does the unthinkable. He appeals, using his Roman right, to the highest courts in the land. He appeals to Caesar himself. Baffled by what to do, the ruling governor, Porcius Festus, calls in a favor from a friend. He calls in King Agrippa to hear out this case before he bothers the high court with what seems to be a local issue about words, events, religious disputes, and a man named Jesus. And this is where we begin to answer our why question for today. We share our faith, number one. We share our faith, letter A, because we, have all, we all have a story to tell and have experienced transformation too good to hide. We've all, we all have a story to tell and have experienced transformation too good to hide. In 1871, Edward Burnett Taylor uh, observed patterns found within classical tales which plot the course of every good narrative, which would later be popularized by Joseph Campbell. These observations became known as the hero's journey. Campbell described the journey like this. A hero ventures forth 
from the world of common day into a region of supernatural wonder. Fabulous forces are there encountered and a decisive victory is won. The hero comes back from this mysterious adventure with the power to bestow boons on his fellow man. Paul experienced incredible transformation. We see in this passage that, that Paul begins his telling about his story before he met Jesus. He was a scholarly man and he had an ax to grind. He's then confronted by Jesus, blinded, restored to sight, undergoes mentoring by the people who walked with Jesus and then sets out in this transformation to bring the hope of Jesus into the places where God was not known. And if you're like me, sometimes you hear stories like Paul's and maybe you've heard somebody else's story. Their story of transformation in Christ. And you might think, well, I wish I had a story like that. One of the biggest myths that you and I will ever believe that will stop us from sharing our faith is, is believing that our faith that in our faith, that in our transformation, that we had to have experienced some type of dramatic, awful, ungodly life which God rescued us out of in order to draw people to him, and that's simply not the case. We all have a journey that we're on in your life, your experiences which you've had, and where to, you, you, the experiences that you have had which have led you to where you are today, they are yours and no one else's. And your story is going to look a lot different than Paul's. And your story is going to look a lot different than mine. And that's awesome. Because you are on a hero's journey as well. When you choose to follow Christ, you leave the comfort of the known and step into the wild unknown of following Jesus. And the transformation that you have experienced in Christ, while it may not be as dramatic as Paul's or as dramatic as someone else's, it does not mean that you have not experienced transformation. Think about this for a second. Think about the way that you treat people. Think about the attitudes that you have, how they've changed. As you, maybe, maybe God has enabled you to see people as he sees them, as dearly loved people for whom he has depthless love for and who his son would walk to a cross for. You have experienced transformation, which leads us into letter B. We share our faith because we have received love and grace too crazy to contain. Think about Paul's story for a minute. Before this transformation, Paul was literally on his way to murder the followers of Jesus. I wonder at this point in time, how many Christians within the church were praying, God, would you show your justice to Paul? Would you rain down your justice would you vindicate the cause of the righteous? And yet Jesus shows him remarkable grace and love that was way too much 
for him to contain. You have received that grace and love too. I'm so thankful that I've been the recipient of that as well. And regardless of how far from God you have wandered before you asked him to be the Lord of, of, of your life, that same grace and love was available for you. Whether far or near, it is simply yours to receive and allow and invite his leadership into your life through that. I want to go back and share part of my story. In 2005, in the city of Split, Croatia, I was having a conversation with a British Jamaican named Malaika. I really liked Malaika. He was a neat dude. It was great to be able to spend that week with him. Within these conversations, we would share our stories about how God had changed our lives. And in the midst of sharing my story, a story that I felt was, was pretty mundane, I mean, I grew up for the most part in a Christian home, didn't err too much. And in the midst of sharing my story and, and sharing the, the, the little bit of this angst that I felt about it, Malaika brought me to Luke chapter 15. And in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells a story about two sons and a loving father. And while the story mainly focuses on the younger of these sons, known as the prodigal son, the older one has been saved from the famine and harm found in the places where the younger one found himself. Malaika said to me, yours is a story of grace and love from the other side, where God in his wisdom kept you from total destruction. Do not get bitter. You are the older brother in this story. And so don't get bitter by the lavishing of love on the younger brothers, but remember the love and grace of the Father which has always been available to you and, if, and you've always known about. Thank him for all that he has kept you from. You are the recipients of the love and grace of Jesus. Whether you have wandered far from him or whether you have been near the whole time. And we share our stories because they are, they are defined by this. They are defined by the great grace that God has provided for you and to you. They are stories that are filled with the measureless love of God for you. The infinite for the finite. And he has lavished it on us in Christ. And we share letter C because we have an urgent mission from God if we dive back into this, this passage in verse 19, Paul shares that following this encounter with Jesus, that uh, he went wherever he could to make Jesus known. From Damascus to Jerusalem to Judea to even to the Gentiles. Well, what was Paul's big rush? He would write about this urgency later from a Roman jail cell as he would write to the church in Philippi these words from Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
Paul wrestled with the desire of joy of being present with his friends and partners in ministry and the continued work of the kingdom of God, but he also recognized his own mortality and the joy of being with Christ. And his mindset was, whether I'm present here in the body or I'm present with the Lord, that I am going to make him known because to live is Christ. There's no other reason. There's no other reason that measures up or matches. And there is nothing that stokes our urgency like a sense of our mortality. How many times have you heard stories or, or been in places where um, someone has had a near-death experience or, or someone who has, uh, has come back from a diagnosis of some terrible illness and, and, and from that point on, there's this urgency of living, there's this urgency of, I've got to squeeze as much life into this time that I have or I have to make things right in the time that I have. I'm gonna share a reality with you and it's gonna sound really terrible out of context, so please don't take this out of context, okay? Listen to what I'm gonna say before this and what I'm gonna say after this. I'm going to die, and I wanna take as many of you with me as I can. Like I said, it sounds awful out of context. <laughs> it sounds really, really awful, so... But that's, but that's the reality of the, the Christian experience that we don't just walk through life in a relationship redeemed by that love and grace of God that he's poured out on us. We don't just walk through this life or amble through it just so that we can get to heaven. No, it's so that we can be in the presence of God and to bring as many with us as possible. There's this urgency that happens when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, that it's not about me anymore. It's not about me anymore. Jesus didn't go to the cross so that I could get a get out of hell free card. It's not fire insurance. It's a mission that if Jesus would step into the mess of this world that we created, we made the mess. He created the earth, but we made the mess of it. We thought we had a better idea. And our better ideas usually end up in messes. But Jesus, Jesus would step into this world. He would, he would take on the punishment for our sin those things which separate us from God, those, those, those violations of God's order, punishment that deserves death, he would go to a cross, he would be executed for you and for me and for everyone that would ever step foot on this earth, no matter how good or evil those people are. Remember, even when you see even when you see people who, who would come across as or of evil personified, they are still a person that Jesus Christ went to the cross for. Don't forget that. There's an urgency. There's an urgency. Our world desperately needs the love and grace of Jesus, and you have received that. So live it and share it. Give it away. 
Because when I go from this place, and I'm not just talking from this pulpit, but when I leave this mortal coil, I don't want to do so alone. This is one of those situations where it's better together. And Jesus, in his final instructions to his disciples in Matthew 28, he would give this instruction. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So when you share your story of love and grace, you don't do it alone. Jesus is walking with you. He's given his spirit to you to share. And we share our faith because we have an urgent mission which Jesus himself has given to us. And I gotta tell you, if Jesus gives you a mission, choose to accept it. It's a really, really good idea. And he's gonna be with you in it. Letter D, we share our faith because, as I've already kind of alluded to this, we, we believe that no one is too distant to experience redemption. We believe that no one is too distant to experience redemption. Look at Paul's story. Look at where he came from and where we see him in this passage. And I love this interaction that we see between Paul and his audience. Festus, his response to it is, you are out of your mind. Your learning is driving you insane. Festus has an emotional response to Paul's story. He's angry. He's dismissive. Agrippa asks a little bit more of a grounded question. He asks a little bit more of a reason-based question. Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And I love Paul's response. Short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am. Except for these chains, you don't want those. <laughs> See, Paul knew that Paul knew that he had a short amount of time to tell his story. That he had richly received the grace and love of God, and that it was too good to not pass along. This midlife faith crisis brought on by his encounter with Jesus filled him with an urgency to share and a confidence that if Jesus could reach even him, that no one, no one, no one has wandered too far to not be redeemed by him. Remember, these are answers to the why question and are not necessarily a how, nor do they promise us results 
as we share our faith. We need to remember, number two, that as we do this, letter A, we must remain open to examination. We must remain open to examination. You see, as you share your story, um, approach it as a friend. Uh, let people ask you questions. I think sometimes we, we get wrapped up in the temptation of, of trying to be a teacher or a salesman in these moments. And, and, and please also, as you're, as, as you're being met with questions, don't settle for the because we're Christians answers. Allow people to explore and discover. And if you don't have an answer, please don't make one up. Explore it together. Go to Scripture together. Find out the answers. And as we do this, letter B, we trust the Holy Spirit with the results. What I'm about to share with you may surprise you, and I hope that it relieves some of the anxiety that you, th you have when you think about sharing your faith. You don't change anyone. I don't save anyone. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That is, that is his job. Let him do it. He's so much better at it than we are. But he does want to partner with you in the process. Remember, this is part of the mission that Jesus has given to us and he is going to be with us in it. Your story matters because it's your story. It's your story as a recipient of God's love and grace. And people need to not only hear your story, but to see it lived out, to see the story of God's transformation lived out in you. Because when we walk with Jesus, it has to make a difference. It has to change us. The, our attitudes have to be in tune with His. Our heart needs to be in tune with His. And it's a process that, that takes place as you continue to walk with Him day in and day out. Sometimes there are those dramatic changes, but it is a life of transformation. Let people see that. Several years ago, I, uh, I, was, I, was, I ran into a quote um, by, uh, by Francis of Assisi, an, an early, early church leader. And he says, go into all of the world and preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. I would say, go into all the world and preach the gospel and let people see Jesus through you and share your story. So, share. Let's pray. Father God, we're so thankful that we can call you that because of your son Jesus who stepped into our mess and made it possible for us to stand before you as blameless and pure, holy, set apart, 
And God, we thank you that when you, when you look to us, you, you look at us with the same favor that you look at Jesus. You love us so much. And God, this morning, there are many of us who have, who have lived and received exceptional grace and love from you. And we are grateful. And God, there may be some in the room this morning that, that have never understood or never heard that the same grace and love is available to them too. Maybe there's someone here this morning who thought, you know, if I ever darken the doors of a church, if I ever go into a church, I'll be zapped, I'll be struck by, God would strike me dead because of all the things that I've done. And if that's you this morning, I want you to know that you have a heavenly father who loves you and desires great things for you. And he longs for you to walk with him. And doing so means that life on your term may not be on your terms anymore. It may change, but it's good. And it's life like you've never experienced before. And so this morning, as we close in song, the, the song Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone, if, uh, if you have never received the grace and love of Jesus or you have wandered far from the grace and love of Jesus, now is a good time to take it. And so as we sing, this, the front is gonna be open here. I wanna pray with you. I'm gonna invite uh, some of our prayer team to come up as, as well to be available. Or maybe you just need to, to come and pray as a celebration of what God has done in and through you. Or maybe, or maybe there are people who your heart breaks for that are far from God and you want to join together in prayer for them so that you know how to share your story with them. So God, we pray this morning that as we, uh, as we spend this time in, in prayer and worship of you, that you would do a mighty work here in this place, a work that only you can do. God, we trust you. And we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.